Welcome to Inspiration Rising. I'm your host, David Trotter, and we're here to inspire you to rise up in your life, love, and leadership. I hope you're having a great summer so far. My wife, she's a kindergarten teacher, home for the summer. My kids, they're both out of school. My daughter, she's in between her sophomore and junior years of college. And my son, he's in between his sophomore and junior year of high school. My daughter is moving like two blocks away to go to college, and she's leaving our house for the first time. It's going to be happening in the next couple months, and I'm not looking forward to it. I'm just going to let you know. I love her a lot, and although she can be, you know, attitudinal. Is that a word? I think that's a word, attitudinal. She's amazing, and we're going to miss her a lot. And you guys know who've had kids go off to college. I mean, I know the experience is different for all of us, but it's a huge shift. And so our family is in the midst of feeling all of those feelings, if you know what I mean. And our son just got his driver's license. What the heck? I've got a kid who's going into college, like halfway through college, going to live on campus. And now I got a kid who's driving. Life changes, doesn't it? It's all good stuff. And in the midst of that, you know, this word comes to my mind. It is balance, the balance of how much to work, how much to spend with family, how much with pursuit of goals, how much of health and wellness versus these big fun meals that you want to eat as a family to celebrate things. Balance. Balance is tough. Today, I want to introduce you to someone who is saying, hey, it's not about balance. It's about brilliant balance. And we go all into that in our interview with Cheryl Ann Skolnicki. She's the founder and CEO of the Brilliant Balance Company. And as a recognized expert on work-life integration, she teaches a breakthrough method to help women better leverage their time to get what they want most. She's also the former CEO of Nourish, a home cooking service for busy households and a 15-year veteran of Procter & Gamble Marketing. Now, in this episode, you'll learn the difference between the unrealistic goal of balance and the empowerment of brilliant balance. In the process, you'll learn three life-changing strategies that include eliminate, streamline, and assign. Let's jump into my conversation with Cheryl Ann. Well, Cheryl Ann, thanks so much for taking some time to hang with us today. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. You talk a lot about brilliant balance. Not just about balance, not just about brilliance, but somehow you've got these two words coming together. I've never even heard those two words put together until I, you know, met you. So how would you define brilliant balance? Yeah. So I think brilliant balance was born out of the idea of work-life balance. And, you know, I was raised in the eighties, came out of college in the nineties, and this generation of women was kind of fed a steady diet of work-life balance. So I thought that was the holy grail. And as I started moving further into my adult life and then working with other women who were in the same chapter, it was very clear that balance was an outdated goal. You know, it had this implication that you could get to this place and then set balance. And if you just didn't move a muscle, you could stay there. And that was not attractive to me at all. Like my life feels much more dynamic than that. Um, it's, it, changes a lot. I have to be able to shift and pivot. And so this notion of brilliance um, really was inspired by an ability to hit peak moments, you know, where you can land a pose and know like, that's it. That's exactly what it's supposed to feel like. And then sort of elevate it above the discourse of balance. 
Mm, okay. Gosh, I resonate with that so much. I feel like, you know, it's like you get to that one point where it feels like kind of things are balanced and then bam, it's gone. It moves. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I often find because I'm a bit more of a driven person that, you know, I'm pretty out of balance when I'm launching something, you know, or starting something. I mean, it is like super focused on one thing and then kind of ebbs and flows. And um, so, yeah. Right. I think brilliance has this implication of being all in, you know, so when we are standing in our brilliance, we're all in, in that particular moment, whether it's a parenting moment, whether it's personal health and wellness goal, um, or whether it's something in our careers. And so I think that's what you're getting to is it, you can't stand in a static place and keep everything perfectly equalized in order to really be all in, in any one area at one time. I know a lot of uh, the women that are listening, you know, life can feel out of control, just out of control, you know, with whether it's family, uh, a job, maybe it's, you know, outside the home job, maybe stay at home, you know, household stuff. I, I've read multiple articles recently about even if a woman has a full-time job, the majority of household duties are still on her shoulders. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm out of control. Where do I start? How do I process this? Yeah. So, you know, the words out of control imply that we're not the boss of us, right? That we're not in charge of where our time is going, that somebody else, some outside force is in charge of it. So I really think it starts with that mindset shift back to the only one in charge of where your time goes moment by moment is you. And I mean, you can feel it like it's an immediate shift back into agency when you realize I literally have control, complete control over where I spend my time. Now, you may have to tolerate some discomfort when other people don't like your choices about where you're spending your time, right? But ultimately, you have complete control. And that's a very powerful force to harness. Um, So I'm almost always starting women with the mindset shift back into personal agency. You actually are in control. Um, which can let you take a deep breath and get your feet on the ground and then move into action, right? So before you take a single action, it starts there. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. No, that feels so good because out of control, I love how you framed that. Everybody else has control of my time. My kids have control of my time. My husband, my boss, my friends, you know, the organizations I'm volunteering with, the freaking PTA. (laughs) Everybody, right, (laughs) right. So as soon as you say to yourself, I'm the one in charge of my time. The new question becomes, well, what would have to be true for me to like the way I'm spending my time? You know, because what we're really saying when we say I'm out of control is I don't like how this feels. I don't like where my time is going. It's not giving back to me that sense of fulfillment or satisfaction or joy. So what would have to be true for that to happen? And, you know, for most of us, that's not floating on a raft in the pool in the Bahamas. Like it might, that might be fun for three days, but it's really not how we want to spend our lives, right? That, that lacks that sense of purpose and ambition that most of us are kind of hardwired with. So it, it gets you out of that all or nothing thinking like I'm out of control and I just want to do nothing to really, how would I be spending my time? Where would I be investing it with intention um, in a way that would feel really good to me? And then you can start actually making a plan in that direction. Mm-hmm. I know on your website, you have a brilliant balance assessment and I've downloaded it and taken a look at it. And I noticed that you have three areas that you're asking people um, to, and uh, you know, this should not be just for women, Cheryl. Come on. <laughs> I know. This Fair. For everybody. Okay. Contribute, connect and curate. Those are three areas that you're asking us to think about 
our lives in this whole assessment process. So walk us through those three categories and maybe why you chose them. Sure. So this really was born out of an early framework um, that I sort of uncovered in my work coaching women, which was, what are we being told success looks like? And it's not these three things, right? If you, if you ask women, what were you told was the pathway to success? They will tell you, I am supposed to do it all, right? I'm supposed to do every single thing that comes my way. I should say yes to it. I'm supposed to get ahead, right? Climb the ladder professionally, get a bigger house, get a bigger car, have a bigger family, more is more. And I'm supposed to look good doing it. Like those are the three things that women are saying, that's what success looks like in this era. And in fact, when we pursue those things, we do have a lot of external success. People will look at us and say, her life looks amazing, but there's an emptiness, to it. Um, all too often, it's you know, leading to anxiety and depression and, and this sort of isolation. Um, and so I started looking at, well, what's the other side of it? You know, what is actually the model that leads to really not success so much, but significance, you know, that life of fulfillment? And these three C's emerge. So contribution is about, am I doing work that uses my gifts and talents in service to someone else? You know, we all have different gifts, we all have different talents, and we all have different communities that we feel called to serve. But when we're doing that, when those things are lined up, that's where we feel that deep sense of fulfillment. So that's contribution. Second piece is connection. And this is really all about authenticity. You know, it's, it's dropping the veneer of perfection that a lot of us have been taught to chase. It's letting people see who we really are and, and standing in the confidence that it will be enough. You know, that we won't be judged or diminished for that. And that's where the true connection comes from. And curation is the opposite of doing it all, right? A curated life is about choices. It's saying yes to certain things and no to others and sort of picking the collection where everything has room to breathe. And those three things, when, when our lives are, are steered toward contribution, connection, and curation, right? When that's a governing principle, that is where we experience that deep sense of fulfillment that most of us are chasing. Mm-hmm. Okay. Do you mind if I repeat this back to you to see if I got it? Sure. Okay. So contribution, and I know in the assessment, you're asking a number of questions to help us figure out, do we feel like we're contributing to something? Mm-hmm. So this contribution could be workplace. Yes. It could be home environment. It could be um, a volunteer organization, some sort yes. of organization. So anywhere, it could even be neighborhood stuff, anywhere where you feel like you're contributing using your gifts and you're enjoying it in the process. Yes. And okay. in service to someone else. So the nuance is, you know, it's different than a hobby. It's not like, oh, I'm doing what I like to do all day. I'm out playing golf or I'm playing tennis. Those may be joyful pursuits, but they're not necessarily in service to someone else. So contribution has that duality. Mm-hmm. That's good. That's good. Uh, then connection, you said the word authenticity. So it's a, a place where I feel safe that I'm not going to be judged that I have that sort of genuine connection with people. And that could be where I contribute or it could not be. It could be in a different place. It exactly. could just be connection. You know, yes. family, family, friends, family, yes. or friends or workplace environment. Most often connection is with people we would say we love. Okay. It's a small collection of people, very intimate relationships. But that true connection where we're really ready to drop our guard mm-hmm. is a pretty small audience. Okay. And then curation is all about what are the selecting the things, the, the time, 
that I want to invest in all the different things in my life. It goes was, back to what's in and what's out, right? Mm-hmm. And, and I always use this analogy of, this will resonate with especially the women, I think, in your, in your listenership. If you're shopping at TJ Maxx, right, you can find the best dress on the planet can be there. It can be from a top designer, but you are never going to know it because it is crammed sideways on a hanger between 62 other dresses, most of which are terrible right? You take that same dress and you put it in a boutique where there are only 10 items on display and it has lighting on it, right? And it's been given, I mean, it is like the most spectacular creation ever, but it's the same dress. And the the elements of our lives are like that. You know, if they're crowded in among a lot of things that we don't like, they don't have room to breathe and we don't, we lose our appreciation for them. So it's really that editing process that gives us back the chance to truly appreciate the, the things that we're made. So crazy. Just in the last week, I've had two women in my coaching uh, online course. They both were wrestling with quitting something. Mm-hmm. One was quitting a part-time job and the other one was quitting a volunteer, you know, situation. And they both felt guilty. Like they sure. were somehow, you know, going to let the pe- people down or, you know, oh, I said, yes, all those things. And the moment they quit, they, the moment they curated, right? Mm-hmm. Bam. It was just like freedom, peace. Yeah, just this ultimate like, oh, mm-hmm. yeah, that mm-hmm. is such a good feeling, Cheryl Ann. I love that feeling. Yeah, not only that, but when we do that, we create room for someone else who would love to do that thing to step in. You know, right. it's if you think about this on a really kind of meta universal level, I mean, wouldn't it be amazing if the whole world were operating under that principle? We would all be sort of sorted into the right seats. Um, today, a lot of us are just, we're sitting in a seat that's not ours. After we've assessed our life and thought about, you know, do we feel good about how we're contributing, how we're connecting and how we're curating? Now you've got three steps to help us work toward this brilliant balance in our life. So can you walk, walk us through those if you don't mind? Sure. So the first level of progress is really about getting control over where your time is going. So we um, teach three strategies that you can apply pretty readily to just get more control over your time and start to execute these choices. So the first one is you can eliminate doing something altogether. You know, if you look at everything in your life, you can say, what are the things I'm just not going to do anymore? Not only am I not going to do them, no one else is going to do them either. It's just not happening. Okay. Second strategy is you can... Can can you go back real quick? Can you give an example in maybe your own life of how you've eliminated something at some point? Like that, you know what I mean? Like, give me some examples here. Because it could be like, no, I get, there's just no way I could stop doing that. Like, I have to do that. I I have to. I know. So um, this is a bit of a hybrid example. I would say going to a gym outside my house right? There was a time in my life where that was really important to me, having the right gym membership and getting in and going to that gym membership. But that's like something I said, that's not going to happen at all. Now, that doesn't mean I'm not going to exercise at all. But the idea of all the processes around having a gym membership, transporting myself and all my stuff, getting it right, it's like, that's not going to happen in my life anymore. Mm -hmm. Another example for me is a board position. Um, I was serving on a number of nonprofit boards. I made a decision that in this chapter of my life, that doesn't have a place. So it's just gone. It's like time that's reclaimed for other things. There will be a day when I step back into that work because I love it. It's just not right now. Mm-hmm. Make sense? Yeah, of course. And you know, I also think about the the number of kid activities that <laughs> you know we choose to enroll our kids in. Oftentimes, they don't even choose it. You know what I mean? Like we're we're 
presenting that to them. Um, can you talk a little bit about that, how, how to process that? It's huge. I mean, I would say that I get asked this question regularly if I'm speaking that, well, that's great. You know, if I start to curate my own life and I make these choices, but what do I do about my kids? They're in 15 activities and all I do is run them. And this, I pause and say, who really made the choice to enroll them? And it's always us. Right. You know, I'm not saying the child didn't ask, but they lack context on what the consequences of those choices are. They're very, you know, short-term focused, super excited about playing volleyball with their friends, but they don't know that that means they're going to be at practice three nights a week and they have to drive 30 minutes to get there. And they're in tournaments four weekends out of the seat. They just, they don't know how to project that. So the, the notion of really planning a master calendar, of what do you want your family's life to look and feel like rests with us. And then modeling choices so that our children don't grow up repeating this exact same crazy, you know, lifestyle that we've all adopted um, as adults. Mm-hmm. I remember yeah. when I was a kid uh, in, in Kentucky is where I grew up and I played baseball, basketball, and football kind of mm-hmm. year round. And it was, uh, but in that day and age there, they weren't, um, it's not like you had, it was just a season. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was like a couple of months yeah. and then you and it was close to home. Oh yeah, of course. And it, 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 you moved on to the next one. Well, That's then I, I asked to be involved in Boy Scouts or Cub Scouts or whatever. And my parents actually said no. And I really didn't understand until, you know, I had young kids. Now my kids are old, but, um, and going, yeah, there's no way. Yeah, there's just too much, you know. It can do well, and people will often say, like, we never have a family dinner, you know, or, oh, we're never home on the weekends. And so my house is a disaster because we're just never home. I can't get groceries in the house. All that's true. That can be 100% true, but it is a choice driven by, we've elected to be in a lifestyle that's governed by our kids' um, activities. So there's no right or wrong, right? It's just, you have to accept the full picture that comes with it. If you say elite sports are really important to our family, awesome, understand the trade-offs and then kind of build the other choices around it. So there's still room for the stuff you care about the most. Yeah, I love that. No, it's not right or wrong. It's just like, hey, you're going to just experience it. And yeah. and there can be seasons too. Like our, our daughter played uh, club volleyball for a number of years. And, you know, we traveled and expensive and all that kind of stuff. And it was fun. But um, it, those are seasons. It can be seasons. It was fun. And you were like, we're willing to trade off the things that come with it because this yeah. is what we've declared our priority. So, you know, go back to that thing I said at the beginning about brilliance being striking those key poses, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, we want to be at that tournament watching her do her thing. And it's awesome. And we love those other parents. We are okay with eating takeout because that's the choice we're making. If you're all in on that, great. Mm-hmm. What I'm really addressing with my programming is the women who have resentment about that. Yes, yes, they of course. don't like the trade-offs, right? right? So now you have to go back and say, okay, if I make a different choice, can I get a different outcome? And I think a lot of people don't even realize there is another option. Right. You know, it's like, this is out of control. I hate my life. This is crazy. You know, it's like, uh, okay, it's, it's our choice. It's our choice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Okay. So that's eliminate. Uh, that's eliminate. One, sorry for interrupting you, but that's I just okay. want to make sure I got the heart of that. Is is what's the second one? The second one is about assigning. So this is delegate or outsource, and you know, so a lot of us believe that our role as mother, as wife, you know, as employee came with a certain set of rules, and we're really governed by those rules about what's ours to do. And what are we allowed to ask someone else to do? And what what are we just not allowed to ask someone else to do? Mm. 
So I invite people to revisit those rules and say, look, there are pieces of work that you are doing yourself today that could be delegated. And by delegate, I mean, there's no extra cost. You're just getting someone else to do it or outsourced where you're paying someone else to do it. Okay. Okay, So give me some examples of things, especially that women would say, I couldn't, I could not delegate or outsource that. I just know there's no way. Uh, Making dinner. So, you know, it's my job. I'm the parent. I can't ask the kids to help with this. I can't ask the kids to help with cleaning the house because they're so busy and they have homework. And that's really my job as the mom. Um, driving kids to activities. It's my job as the parent to personally drive them to these activities. I couldn't ask somebody to be, to help us with driving, right? So it's, and again, there are, there's a range of extremism here. (laughs) There are some women very happy to delegate a lot of those things and some who will hold on to all of it and say, that's just my job, right? I'm the mom. Um, Outsourcing opens a whole new can of worms because now you get into money and we're, what is time worth, right, in the system? So outsourcing could be as simple as using like a grocery store's online ordering system where you just go pick them up instead of having to go through the whole grocery store. It could be getting somebody to clean the house or mow the lawn or do the laundry. Big spectrum of things that can be outsourced. And honestly, way more things than we think. You know, at the highest level, my highest level clients were working with them on hiring like a personal assistant who does a lot of the errand running for them. Um, most women can come up with $5 to do online grocery store, but they'll resist it and say, I don't want need to pay somebody $5. I can go, I, what is it to go to the Kroger? But they're going seven times a week, parking their car, going inside, buying the things, you know, and, and you add that up, it's hours and hours a week over a $5 decision. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the, 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 what I can or should do, um, narrative gets really loud when we mm-hmm. start, especially when we start thinking about paying someone mm-hmm. to do some of that work for us. Yeah. When our kids were small, we paid somebody to put them to bed. It was just painful. Okay. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I know. Right? That, would be a, <laughs> that would be a sacred parent job, right? We are not going to alter that. Although, talk to women who've had night nurses and the, the emotion that it stirs up for them to say, you know, I have newborn who's not sleeping. I have a full-time job and I'm going to hire a night nurse to basically get this child to sleep. Yeah. It's a fantastic decision for some women. Very emotional. Very right? emotional. Just the reason you brought it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Man, that is an emotional decision. Yes. yes. That's really good. That's good. Okay. And um, the word streamline, did we talk about that? We did not. Okay. Help so, me understand that, that concept. So this is the third strategy. And I think this is kind of the, you can teach an old dog new tricks idea. So we were all taught certain ways of doing things, doing the laundry, making dinner, paying bills. You know, I call them like mom jobs, household jobs that just have to be done. And so if you can go back and reassess how you do each one of those to look for efficiencies, you can often get it done in a much um, in a much shorter time frame. So I kind of have a classic laundry system that we teach inside my program. And women are like, it's just a game changer in the way they manage laundry, right? We have, um, I mentioned the gym you're teaching, before. You're teaching home ec in your courses? Are you We're kidding? literally talking about laundry. You're, you're teaching because laundry. You're out of control. I know, but you know why? Because these women who may be, you know, partners in their law firm, or they may be top doctors in, their, in a hospital, or they're a really gifted teacher who's working with high school students, whatever their career is, they're still confounded by laundry. 
you know, you're still coming home and saying, I just, this is inescapable. It's every time I turn around, there's another it multiplies. one. Right. So well, what I, the reason that's in um, our programming and there's a whole, we, there's a whole series of household hacks is because those jobs, when you can learn how to do them more efficiently are multipliers of time savings because you're saving time every day. Hmm. Right. So another, this is another example we use all the time is knife skills in cooking. Now people are like, what, what is knife skill? You work with these high impact women on there. Yeah. But here's the thing. If you never make a salad because it takes you four years to cut up a pepper and a cucumber and some lettuce, you know, like you're, you're on the takeout wagon. If you learn some basic skills that allow that to be really fast, you don't have any resistance you know, to putting healthy food on the table. So sometimes you have to really keep double clicking until you get to what's the root cause of my resistance. You know, I don't have an efficient process for doing this. And so I'm just trying to avoid it. And then it gets to be a backlog. So streamlining is really powerful. And that is for anything that's left. Once you've eliminated and once you've outsourced, every single thing that's left, you're looking for, how can I do this in less time? I'm trying to get this whole brilliant balancing going. And my partner is like, Oh, why are you doing this? Like, what's up with this? Do you hear this? All the time. Okay. All right. You every day. Okay. I'm not just making these things up in my head. This is real. Um, what do, what do you say to them? How do you, how do you, how do you walk through this? So I think it depends on what is the source of the resistance. Okay. And there's usually sort of a couple of big areas that it shows up in. One is, wow, your life is starting to look really different than mine. You know, you are starting to um, be an agency. You're making choices. You're moving things forward. And I am afraid I'm going to get left behind. Now, that is never articulated. That is never something that is going to get said out loud. So what I'm coaching my women to do is say, look, you got to look for where is that in the water? Where is the distance between the two of you becoming greater because you're on a path of growth and they're not? Um, and, and the pathway there is really about reassurance that you're not getting left behind. You know, you're welcome to come along. You're welcome to not come along, but this is the path I'm on. It has nothing to do with outgrowing you or abandoning you. And that's, that's unfamiliar territory. Um, and, and, and a pretty uncomfortable conversation, but a really important one that can kind of reground the relationship. Hmm. The other place we see it is when it has to do with money. And so a a big source of resistance will be, well, you're either asking me to do more things through delegation, or you're asking me to agree that we're going to spend money on some things that I don't want to do, right? And so we'll get the, well, I'll just help you do it. I mean, I get it. You don't want to do one, I'll do the laundry. And I usually say, give it three weeks. It, it, It rarely lasts longer than three weeks because, but you have to circle back and say, let's do three weeks. Let's see how it goes. And then often it's like, he doesn't have any time either. You know, there's the whole household is stretched. So illustrating through time studies and some other tools that we do, where really, what is the time investment that we're putting in here? Is it reasonable that I'm going to continue to do this? What is it coming at the expense of? Like, in other words, what are we not doing because I'm spending all this time on these tasks? And then how would we together repurpose that time often can get somebody on board, especially when we start small with things like the $5 grocery order start with a small win, right? And then you kind of work your way up to the bigger wins. But the financial piece is the second one that often gets in the way. Mm-hmm. And, okay. you know, David, if you listen to what I really said there, in both of those cases, it's about a courageous conversation. 
Mm-hmm. It's not assuming that he knows what you're trying to do. It's not assuming that it's like obvious. It's sitting down and saying, I want to make it clear that this is about our whole family and what we're trying to accomplish together. And so we're on this journey together. That conversation kind of puts you on the same side of the table instead of having a dichotomy. Do you encourage women to have that conversation early in their coaching process as they're processing this rather than later or in the middle? Or how does that work? It's really unique to the individual relationship. Some people don't need to have it at all. You know, it's, it's the nature of the relationship. Some women hold this work very sacred and they don't want to share it. They want to keep it very, until there's a reason or until there's a conflict that arises, it's really about them. Um, and they want to keep it very private. And others, it's a family journey from day one and they're all in, you know, sharing assignments, sharing some of the frameworks back with their spouse. What have, what have I missed? What have I missed in this process? Like, what's the question that I should have asked you? Uh, I don't usually ask somebody this, but I feel like I'm supposed to ask you today. Good. Like, what, what, did I, what did I miss here? I think what, maybe what we didn't cover is why does it matter? Okay. You know, why do we want this? And yeah. from my vantage point, the women that we work with are, you know, they're very high achieving. They, they often can look back in their life to a time when they were a rock star. You know, they're like, I was like on top, I was on my game. Everything was great. And then it broke. Often after they had children, not always, but that's often the inflection point is like, I just couldn't quite get it all back together again. Hmm. And they have this deep yearning to get back into that gear where they're really operating at their highest level of potential. So for me, it's, it's this journey of like reconnecting with that sense of um, accomplishment and competence and ambition that they once, like they've had it. They've almost always already had that experience and they, so they know what it felt like and it's gone hmm. um, and they don't want it to stay gone forever. So the why is like, if I don't have an intervention here and learn a new way of operating that gives me a similar feeling that I've had before... Like the risk is I spend the rest of my adult life with the dimmer switch on. Mm. And for these women, that's not okay. You know, it's, it's just, it's not okay to feel like I settled for less than what was possible for me. So that, that really is like the emotional state that I would say we're helping with is, um, you know, I don't think it's okay to settle either. I think, I think you should go be uh, someone who's operating at your highest potential. And so we want to equip you to do that, but there's nobody teaching us how to have a new framework in this next chapter of life. I love that you're talking not just about mindset things and strategy, but like super practical stuff like laundry and outsourcing. And I mean, that's so practical, super helpful. Yeah, and it's lot, both. Yeah, yeah, it's, a, it's, it's coming together. Yeah, it can't be just either or. Right. Yeah. Okay. So I know you just had a couple of day event uh, in Cincinnati, I believe it was. Is yes. that right? Okay. Yes. Tell me about this event because I know it's too late. It's it's right now. It's May 2019. This will probably come out in June. Um, next year, you'll have another one, mm-hmm. right? Okay. Yeah. Well, we think we might have one in the fall. So we'll, oh. we'll let you know if we have dates announced for the fall. Okay. Um, but tell but me it about was, the event. It was amazing. Um, we called it Brilliant Balance Live. And the intention for the event was, you know, what I wanted to do was give women an experience of what the brand stands for. You know, we know what we mean, but if you're not inside as a coaching client, you don't necessarily like fully get it. You don't really understand what we're trying to 
to um, communicate, right? We, do, we don't have as much time with you. So a two-day immersion where we can bring you in and kind of give you visually and experientially what is this brand about and teach the basics of the framework, right? What are the steps you have to put in place to really get to that state of standing in your own brilliance? Um, and, you know, the challenge for us was, can we do this in two days? Like, I don't know. We've never done it before. So we did it. And it was amazing to watch this group form um, relationships and Make the mindset shift, I would say, from, I don't think it's possible, right? I I think this is as good as it gets, and I'm just going to have to figure out how to tough it out through this chapter. Deal with it. Right? Like, I just, that's my goal in life is deal with it. The, The mindset shift was, it doesn't have to be this way. And I may not be ready to take all the actions, but I have a new belief that it's possible that I could, I could take a different set of actions. So some of the women came out of the event saying, let's do this. Like I'm ready to do this now. And they're on a path of action and others are like, okay, I got, I got it. I'm really chewing on everything that I heard here. And I have to kind of find my courage and my readiness to start putting those actions in place. So it was, um, it was fantastic in our ability to bring it to a much broader audience. Like what was the, you know, the essence of the brand. So I'm, I'm super pumped to do it again. That is great. That's great. Okay. So if someone wants further help, how can they, you know, get connected to you? Do you do um, virtual coaching across the United States? Like help me, help me, uh, you know, help me sell you here. Because I I want people to get connected to you. Thank you. That's so kind. So I would say what we do is content, coaching, and community. If you look at what the Brilliant Balance model is, it's like you can get free content or you can get upgraded content. It's kind of behind our coaching programs. We do personalized one-on-one mentorship and coaching, and then an amazing community of women that you can kind of plug into. So our signature program is called Breakthrough. And the easiest way to kind of understand what is breakthrough and what does it do for people is to watch our webinar. So we have a free webinar. It runs about an hour. We keep trying to shorten it. But if they go to sherylandschoolnikki.com forward slash webinar, they can register for a time and um, learn kind of what this model is. And here are some of the examples of women who've been through our process. I think it makes it a much more real picture of what are we really doing um, you know, behind the scenes. And then they can decide from there if they want to have a conversation with our team. Great. Okay. So we'll put that link in the show notes. You can obviously you can find it on your phone right now if you're listening or on our website, insporising.com, because I'm not going to try to spell Cheryl Ann com <laughs> forward slash webinar. Terrible. Awesome. But you know, terrible. It's, it's I know. Long. Yeah, it's good. It's good. Jane okay. Smith. Right. One last question for us. Uh, what are you wearing today? What is that a blouse or is it a dress? Because it's, a, I love the little white, like, what do you call those little doohickeys? I don't know, the, like eyelet or something up yeah, there. Those are yeah, cool. Yeah. It's so funny. Is, it a, is this a blouse or is it a dress? This is a dress. It's Lily it Pulitzer. Yeah. Lily Pulitzer. Yeah. Nice. Okay. Yeah, we had an event at my daughter's school today. So I'm wearing my fancy, fancy dress. End of the year. Yes. Yes. End of year. My eight year old was dressed up as Amelia Earhart today for a full presentation. And it was awesome. She was so great, but it, she was sweating to death because they're in these like costumes in a, you know, auditorium kind of place. And they're all set up with their display boards and they're all like Halloween costumes, right? So they're just sweating to death because it's 80 degrees here. Today. Oh, wow. Yeah. But it was great fun watching them. They were wax museum characters and they had to narrate their presentations. And you have three kids. Is that correct? I have three. Yes. Yes. And their ages are, do you mind? No, 14, 11, and 8. 
Okay. So, so three, three o'clock this morning, we sent my 14 year old off to Washington DC for her class trip. I'm, I kid you not 3am. And then the 11 year old is, uh, we call him our American Ninja Warrior fan. He is like stoked because they're coming to Cincinnati and he's praying to God he gets tickets. And then my eight year old is uh, the caboose. Yeah. So she was Amelia Earhart today. That is great. Yeah. And all of that, three kids and you're brilliantly balanced. Look at that. <laughs> it comes and goes like it does for everyone. Right. But that's, I think that's it. It's the embodiment of it is, can you stay focused on the peak moments? And that's what gives you the tolerance for the days that are a little more sideways, you know, cause you know, that next peak moment is coming. You keep your eyes on that. And you just had a peak moment. It's where you struck the pose, right? At your event. What a great event. Oh, those are so fun. That's great. Well, congratulations. Thank you. And uh, we'll, we'll point everybody toward CherylAnnSkolnicki.com forward slash webinar. So thanks so much. Thank you. I want to encourage you to watch the webinar that Cheryl Ann referred to. And you can find the link in our show notes right on your phone. Just swipe up if you're on an iPhone. The link is right there. It says free webinar. Or you can head on over to our show notes at insporising.com. Now, if I could just ask you for a very quick favor, if you enjoyed this episode, take a moment and think about who in your life needs to hear about these life-changing strategies that Cheryl Ann shared. All you got to do, take a screenshot of your phone right now that you're listening It shows the podcast and text that image to a friend. Or if you don't know how to do that, just tell them, search for the Inspiration Rising podcast on the Apple podcast or the Google podcast app right on their phone. The number one way that people find out about podcasts is by someone like you enjoying an episode and sharing it with a friend. All right, I want you to know how much I appreciate you and believe in you. And no matter what you're going through, you can make it. All right, talk to you next time.